to have your Bibles, please meet me in 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 through 21. Uh, we're closing out uh, the book of 1 John. It's 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 through 21. And could you plan, please stand to your feet in reverence to God's holy word? 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 through 21. And it reads, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that, ha that we have been asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, this is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who is born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true. In this, in, in, in his Son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen? As Pastor Todd wobbles, wobbles sorefully. <laughs> Amen. You know you're old when you're grimacing on to get up a pair of uh, few steps. As I woke up this morning, this is going to distract me. I woke up this morning, I was like, oh, this is going to be a long day, and tomorrow's going to be worse. So, but I do say, uh, there's some controversy in the game. I'll say this publicly. Jackson actually won. He was very kind and gracious to me. He actually uh, beat me by one shot, and uh, so I give you uh, the, the win, uh, Jackson, this morning. So, I actually did not win. I, I thought about that last night. So, kudos to you, Jackson. You did beat this old man. So, but that's all right. I'm I still got it a little bit, right? Okay. It's good to be here uh, this morning with you. Just uh, a few more announcements as we uh, come into service. Uh, first, uh, congratulations to Kendrick and Kristen. They're celebrating one year tomorrow. That's a huge uh, deal. So their one-year anniversary is tomorrow. So praise God for that. Um, that. That's the cool part about this church for me. Uh, just a few weeks ago, we celebrated Ronald and Eleanor and just uh, your legacy that you're showing us as young men and young women uh, what it means to live godly lives and the, the model that we have in y'all. And so, Kendrick, y'all and I have a long way to go to catch them, but uh, they have paved the way for us. Uh, one last announcement. We, I got this this morning. Gunner, uh, his mom and dad are Jackie and Richard. He's going into immediate surgery for his appendix this morning. So I want to pause and pray for him, and then we'll jump in the service this morning. Let's pray for him this morning. God, I'm grateful for this 
body of believers, that we get to come and worship you and hear your truth and hear from you. Pray that you'd open our eyes and ears and hearts to receive from you. But I do come and plead on behalf of Gunner this morning that you would uh, give the surgeon's skilled hands to operate on that young man's body and that he would heal, uh, heal fast as he uh, does serve our country. I'm grateful for his sacrifice uh, for us and the freedom that he offers uh, and fights for for us to, to even be here this morning. So again, God, lead us, guide us, be our hope and joy. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I was thinking this morning as you came up to thank the older ladies uh, that they gave their classroom. You know, that, that's a, a, a beautiful thing that we are growing that way, that we'd have to, to give up space and move space for one another. And here's what I was thinking as well as you were saying that. Uh, this week I got to go to Dallas to record some podcasts, and I went to one of the largest churches in America. So their facility, I asked the guy, I was like, how much does your facility cost? Like, how much does this whole thing cost? And they do not have a room problem. But I, I thought to myself, I wouldn't want to be at a church like this. Their facility costs $200 million. And I was like, wow. But I, I thought to myself, how do you get to know anyone with that big of a church? And I, I would not want to be at a church uh, of that size, of uh, 13,000 people on a Sunday morning gather uh, to, to worship God. Praise God for that. But I thought, you wouldn't get to know the Kendricks and, and the Christian Christians and, and their anniversaries and things like that at a, at a massive size like that. So for me to get back on a plane on Friday night, to come back here, to be back at my church, uh, I'm just grateful for that. And so uh, I am really sore and I'm really distracted by how sore I am. Every time I move, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to make it. But Miss Marilyn, your, uh, your power bars are doing me justice this morning. It's giving me a little bit of energy. So if I bolt out of here and go grab four more to smash real fast, it's because I, my energy's going going low. I, I, I did wake up, and I man, I got out of bed, and things were cracking in me. And I was like, this is not a good sign. This is not good. So I do appreciate the wheelchair out and uh, right in front of my office. Whoever did that, you'll have to, you will have to answer to Jesus for that one. Just promise you that. You can't be doing stuff like that to pastors, bro. Pastors, we do have a, you know, God has called us to things. You don't mess with pastors. There is a story about a pastor in the Bible that young teenagers started messing with him. Y'all know this story? Yeah, yeah, some teenagers. We're messing with the pastor, and he started praying, and these she-bears came out and killed them all. That's a true story. That's in the Bible. They started making fun of him for being bald-headed. So, and this is a true story in the Bible. They started making fun of his bald head and being old, and he prayed, and these she-bears came out and killed all of them. Bring it. <laughs> I, better, I better get to God's word. Oh, my, oh, my, oh, my going to be a long, a long morning. I am grateful to be here and grateful to get to teach you God's word as we come to the conclusion of 1 John. I, I pray that this uh, little letter has spoken volumes to your hearts and has ministered to you in ways it's ministered to me. You know, this whole letter is about two things. I've said it every Sunday morning. It's about loving God and loving other people. And John's going to say that again to the, us this morning. He's going to wrap up this series uh, this book, saying that to us again. But here's how he's going to do it. 
You know, we live in a world of uncertainty, don't we? When you turn on the news, there's so much uncertainty in the world. I I was uncertain if I was going to get up out of the bed this morning. But even more so, in more serious ways, the uncertainty that, that will happen to us today. And don't we want certainty? Don't all of us want to live in a world of certainty? In that we, we have security and certainty. And so John's going to talk to us about that this morning. He's going to say there's, there's five things that we can all be certain for. He uses this one little word seven times in these few verses. He's used them throughout the letter, but he's going to hammer them home in a condensed way. He's going to say to us this one word, that you may know. You may know that there is certainty that you may have this morning. So my question to you as I start, as we come to the end of this little letter, what are you uncertain about this morning? What are you uncertain about in your faith this morning? What are you uncertain about in your marriage this morning? What are you uncertain about your children this morning? All of it is John is going to address this morning. If you have any uncertainty this morning about your future, John is going to give us hope for certainty. Don't we all want that this morning? So I just want to take a few seconds to pause and you ask God in this moment, God, what am I most uncertain about? I want you now to ask the Holy Spirit to minister to you in that place of uncertainty, not of my word, but in God's word. May God's word bring you certainty this morning. There's five places we'll look at. There's five things that we all as believers can be certain about this morning. It's going to speak to all those things that just came to the forefront of your minds and hearts this morning. Whatever you're uncertain about this morning, John is going to talk to you and to me and to this body about this morning. So let's look at those five things. The very first thing he writes in verse 13, he says, I'm writing these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know, circle that word, every time we come to that word in the Bible this morning, circle it, that you may know that you have eternal life. Remember, this is the linchpin of the entire letter. The thing that John is wanting to hammer home throughout this whole letter is that you would have certainty of one thing, eternal life. So do you and do I this morning, do we as a body this morning have the the certainty of eternal life? What is eternal life? What you must ask yourself this morning. What is this thing that John is talking about? What is this thing that Jesus said he came to give eternal life? You know, there's so much uncertainty about the life that is to come, but John says through Jesus, You can have certainty this morning that you have eternal life. Well, how do we have the certainty that we have eternal life? Look who it's found in. The only way that you can have certainty in eternal life is if you what? Believe in who? The Son of God. Again, I said this last week, and I'll say it again because it's worth repeating. That there is only one way to have eternal life. It's through Christ Jesus. He said it, I said it last week, I'll say it again, I'll say it as long as I need to, that that God himself through Jesus says, there is only one way to me, it's through my son Jesus. 
And so if you do not have certainty of eternal life, you have to ask yourself this question. Do I have certainty in who Jesus says he is? Do you believe in who Jesus is this morning? That he is the son of God. He's the savior of the world. And that you are a sinful man that needs a savior. See, you can believe in that he's the son of God. You can believe that he came to save sin. But if you don't believe you're a sinner, then you won't need a savior. So now do you have the certainty that you're a sinner that needs to be saved by grace and grace alone? What is sin? Sin is this. It's the word in the Greek means to miss the mark. The mark of what? The mark of holiness, what you've been called to. Our standard is God. That is what John has been saying throughout this little letter. Obey his commandments. If you do not obey his commandments, then you've missed the mark. So do you know for certain that you're a sinner that has done wicked things that's missed the mark? That's where you've got to start. So first, examine your heart. Is there anything in your life where you've missed the mark, that you have not brought before a holy God through an act of confession. Because in that little point of acting through confession will show your need for a Savior, and then you get to see that the Savior shows up and forgives you of your sin. So yes, it starts with God, but it then will start with ourselves. You have to examine your own heart. Are you a sinful man? Are you a sinful man? that needs a Savior, and then that when that Savior comes, now the promise is this, that whoever believes in the Son of God, you may know you have eternal life. That word know, you're going to say it in a different way in this next verse. You have confidence. You have boldness to come into the throne room of God. Do you know that without a shadow of a doubt this morning? You have a Savior that's forgiven you of your sins, and because of the forgiveness of your sins, you have eternal life. Without the forgiveness of sin, you do not have eternal life with God Himself. You'll have eternal life, but it will be apart from Him. You do not want that eternal life. So do you this morning, do I this morning, have the certainty of eternal life through Christ Jesus that I'll spend all of my days with Him? Now this next one I struggle with. This next one was a wrestle for me. It's been a wrestle for me. I think it will be a continue to be a wrestle for me. So I, I don't come this morning to this pulpit saying, I've arrived at this place. That I've even arrived with the confidence of knowing what I'm about to say. But John says this, that John has the confidence. So I'm going to borrow some of John's confidence this morning. And hopefully at one day I'll have the same confidence as an old man that John has when he says these next few words, he says this, and this is the confidence that we, who's the we, that we who believe in the Son of God have eternal life, that we, the believer, have this confidence towards him, that's Jesus, that if we ask anything according to his will, that's God's will, Jesus' will, that he hears us. And if we, the believer, know Circle that word again in your Bibles, that he hears us, and whatever we ask, we know, circle that in your Bible, that we 
have the request that we have asked of him. He goes on to say, if anyone sees his brother committing sins, not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that you should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that does not lead to death. What is the next confidence that we have? Now be honest with yourselves. I'm honest before you. I struggle with this one. We, because we have eternal life, because we have a relationship with God, we can have the confidence of answered prayer. Now we all say amen, but if we're all honest, do we not struggle with that? I don't always have the confidence of my prayers being answered. My, my, my prayers even for good things, prayers not of myself. I, to be honest, when I look at my prayer life, I've got a very selfish prayer life. There's a lot of me's in that prayer. Do this for me, do this for me. Am I the only one? Okay, good. The one other person's like, yeah, okay. And I look at that, and even the things I'm praying for for myself, I don't have confidence that he's going to answer. But then the times that I pray for other people, I don't have the confidence he's going to answer those. Like I've, I've prayed for a lot of things that have not come to fruition. I prayed for a long time for my dad to be saved. That never came to fruition that I know of. Like he never trusted in Christ as his Savior at his deathbed. He, he did not have one of those moments. And I looked to God, I'm like, I was praying, and your word says if I pray, it will happen according to what? His will, not mine. Now that is terrifying. Now I'm not saying it was the will of God for my dad not to be saved. I, I do not know that for sure. But I know there's so many things that I've prayed for that have not come to fruition. Therefore, I can with confidence say it must not have been of God's will. Because my will is nowhere near as powerful as God's will. Because God is a sovereign God. And here's the other thing I know to be true about God's word. In Isaiah, he says this. Isaiah the prophet says, God's ways are not my ways. And my thoughts are not his thoughts. And my desires are not his desires. I hate that verse. I mean, can I not say that? Well, I'm not the only one. I'm just being honest. Everyone's like, what? Christina's like, you just said you hated a verse. Yeah, I do. Because it pushes me to more dependence. I'm, there's a lot of verses in the Bible I wish weren't in the Bible. But I'm not the one that wrote the Bible. A holy God wrote the Bible. So it has to be true. That doesn't mean I have to like it. But I do have to submit my will to it. And so do I, do you, this morning, have the confidence of answered prayer. That might just be the pain talking at this point. Like, everyone's like, just looked at me. He just said he hated a verse. That's the pain. I'm going to say it. That's the hip going out. No, but it's true. But he goes on to say this. We have this confidence that we have towards him that if we ask according to, to circle this in your Bible, underlined highlight, according to his will, he hears us. So now I have to ask myself this question. Am I bending my will towards his will? 
And is my prayer life according to Todd's will or God's will? Which then means i got to start putting this in my prayer life. The same thing that the Son of God said. Remember what the Son of God said in the garden. The Son of God asked God the Father, hey, if it can be any other way, if there's another way for this thing to, that has to happen to happen, please what? Let this cup pass by me. I don't want to do it. Jesus said that. I don't want to do what you've called me to do. Any of us ever done that before? But look at what he says after that. But not my will be done, but yours be done. How often do I do the first half of the, that prayer of Jesus? God, take this cup from me. But if I'm honest, the rest of the way I pray is, let my will be done in this. But the model is Jesus, not Todd. The model is, God, let your will be done in my life. And if Jesus, through praying that a cup would pass before him, had to suffer, then what does that mean about you and me? We'll have to suffer. But we have to ask God, God, I don't want to do this. I've got to be honest with you, but not my will be done. He goes on to say this. We can have the confidence that he hears us. And he, we know that we have requests that we have made and ask him of us. And then the second part is all about the salvation of other people. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin and that, that is leading to death, he should ask and God will give him life. Those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is sin that leads to death. That sin, many, this is one of those places in the Bible that many scholars have many different viewpoints. I take the viewpoint of this, that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit says, I'm never going to believe in God. I don't want to believe in God, and I won't believe in God. That is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit that says that will always lead to death. That does not lead to eternal salvation. I believe that is what John is saying here. But he is saying to us as the believer, let us pray for that person who is com committing blasphemy. And then he says, all, all wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that does not lead to to death. I believe that verse is talking about the ongoing sin in our life that is not blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, but it's just our ongoing struggle with sin. Remember, John has been telling us throughout this, this word that we are going to be sinners, but we need to bring confession to our sin. Confession to our sin that does not lead to eternal death, but will lead to life, so what he just talked about in eternal life. So the first two certainties are this. Do you this morning have certainty? of eternal security or eternal life? Do you have certainty in answered prayer? And now the next one is this. Verses, verse 18. And we know that anyone that has been born of God, that means born again, that means that has eternal life, that is a son of God, not the son of God, but a son or daughter of God, does not keep sinning, but he who is born of God protects him. Circle those two words in your Bible. Protects him. And the evil one does not touch him. Do you have certainty this morning that you have victory over sin? You see, I think so often in our lives, we don't really believe we have victory over sin. 
Now, I'm not saying you're not going to keep sinning. But I do believe this. I believe when we submit our life, our wills to God, we pray to God that we will have victory over sin. You know that sin that so easily tangles us. Whatever that be for you. Lust, pride, gluttony, lying. I don't know what it is for you. But I do know this. That I pray and submit my will, submit my life to God. I will have victory over that sin. But how many of us live enslaved to the same sin over and over and over and over and over again? We do not live victoriously. But God's Word promises us victory. Do you live with certainty this morning? What John says what is the certainty? It's not that you won't sin. But the certainty is this, that he who is born of God, he, circle the word he, you can um, capitalize it. it. It needs to be a capital H, not a lowercase h. The he is talking about Jesus. The he is not talking about you. He who is born of God protects him. You are the him, not the he in the passage. He, Jesus, protects you and me from what? Sin. He protects us and the evil one can't even touch you. But do we live that way? Do we live victorious Christians that we believe that he who is greater that is in me is greater than he who is in the world? And he who is in me protects me even from who? Me. Sometimes I'm my own worst enemy. Am I not? Like, I don't always need Satan. Like, I'm my own worst enemy. I need God to protect me from me most of the time. Like, at this point, I don't think Satan's like, oh, I need to go mess with Todd. He's like, man, Todd's just messing with Todd. Like, I, let me go find somebody else to mess with if I'm truthful. How come? Because I'm not living out the victorious Christian life. Which says to me, I don't live with certainty of who Jesus is. I live with more certainty of Satan, but not who Jesus is. And so do you and I, do we believe those two things in the passage? Do, you believe, do we believe that God is going to keep us from sinning? Do we believe he's going to protect us from the evil one? The evil one won't even be able to touch us. So the third certainty is this. Are you living victoriously today over sin? Are you certain that you have the victory that's in you is greater than the victory that's outside of you? That is Satan. Let's keep going. The fourth certainty is this. He says this in verse 19. Circle the word no again. We know that we, the believer, are what? Circle these two words, highlight them, are from God. Another way to say that is this. Do you have certainty this morning that you are a child of God? Man, the certainty of being a child of God. Just think of that as a parent. You, you may, in your own upbringing, not have certainty of good parents. Thank God we sang that song this morning. But we have the certainty this morning that we're children of God, and if we're children of God, then we have a good, good father. 
But I think so often we don't believe in God as a good, good father. We don't believe and look at him as our father because of the fathers that we had that we grew up with. And so our lenses of what a father is are so distorted, but God in God's word says, no, I'm not like that. I am like this. But do we have the certainty that we're children of a good God? You see, remember what Jesus said in the Gospels. He says, even you, you, you wicked, you, you good fathers give these things. How much more will your heavenly fathers give you these things? He's talking to wicked people when he even says that they're good. But then he points back to himself, but look at me, what I will give you. And so this morning, do you, in verse 19, do you know that you are from God? And then he says this, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Now that last phrase is scary. What he's saying is this, you're either going to belong to one or the other, and belong to both. How much do we try to straddle the fence? I want the pleasures of the world, but I want the security of heaven. I want the pleasures of the world, but I want the gifts of God. It, God is saying in this passage, you can't have both. And if you're trying to have both, I promise this, you won't have certainty of your salvation. You won't have certainty of prayer. You won't have certainty of victory. And so do you and do I this morning know that we belong to God? And the last one is this. The last certainty is this. Do we have confidence in who Jesus is? We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may, what? Know Him. Who's the Him? The one who is true. And we are in Him who is true and in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. I'm going to come back to verse 21. But I want to flip over to chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. It's amazing how John starts and ends his little letter. He start, he's ending the same way he started. Remember what he said in verses 1 through 4. That which is from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, we have looked upon and the touch with our hands concerning what? The word of life. Who is that? Jesus. Who did he just say here in chapter 5? And we know that the Son of God, the word of God, has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him. He said we come to know him because we've looked at it, we've seen it, we touched it, the word of life. The life was made manifest. That word manifestation just means Came, means he put on flesh and dwelt with us. We have seen it or we have seen him. We testify to him or about him and proclaim to you eternal life, which was with the Father, is made manifest with us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have what? Fellowship with us. Turn back over to chapter five. Do you have the confidence the understanding, the knowledge, do you know who 
Jesus, the Son of God, is. Right? Because I said at the beginning of this message, you cannot know eternal life without knowing who? Jesus. So for you, for me, as we come to close of this message, my prayer has been this through this series. Like John, like the other apostles, like Paul, can we say this morning, we have heard of Him, we have seen Him, we look and gaze upon Him, and our hands are touching what He has done. This life has been manifested. We see it, we testify to it, and proclaim the eternal life. Is that true for you this morning? He goes on to say, He is the true God, eternal life. And then look what John does to close this letter. It seems so out of place, does it not? Like of all the ways you could end a letter. John says this, little children. Remember all the times he said little children in this passage. He says, keep yourselves from idols. Now, what would John say that to us for? Because he knows this. Idols are the things that rob us of our attention of who Christ is. The, the idol of lust, the idol of idolatry, the idol of greed, the, all those are idols. I'm not talking about some little statue, little Buddha statue in your house. You may not have that. But what are the things in your life, what are the things in my life, what are the things in this church that rob us of seeing and believing and testifying about who Jesus is. Anything that robs you of your affections, your attention of who Christ is, that is an idol. And John is saying, hey, be careful. Watch out for what? Idols. Because John knows if you fall into idolatry, you're going to wander away from Christ, your Savior. So in closing this whole book this morning, I would ask you this question as a way of application. What are the idols in your life that you need to ask God to help keep you from? Because if there's any idol in your life, you will not be able to do these chapters in this book. You will not be able to love God because you'll love an idol. You will not be able to love other people because you love an idol. So what is it in your life? What is it in my life? What is it in the life of this church? What is an idol that we have in this church that we must confess of? Because if there's an idol in the midst of our church, I promise this church, we can't love God and we can't love one another. We need as a church, if there's anything that if we look at the landscape of our church, if we took the temperature of our church, and we would say to ourselves, if we were to do a true evaluation, does Powell's Chapel love God? Does Powell's Chapel love other people? And if there's any slight no to that in either direction, now we must ask God, reveal to us the idol that prevents us from loving you and for loving other people. We must keep ourselves from idols. I'd ask that in your own personal life. Is there anything in your life that keeps you from loving God and loving other people?
Because here's what's true. We have the confidence that God, through Christ Jesus, will forgive us of our idolatry. We can be a cleanse and whole, and we can love God more, and we can love other people more. Not because of ourselves, but because of the forgiveness that's offered to us through Jesus. And we can go back to chapter 1, say exactly what John said. He said it the best. that We have seen and heard and proclaimed to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship was, is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. How come? And we are writing these things so that what? Your joy may be complete. Do you have joy this morning? Do you have joy this morning? Joy can only be found in Christ Jesus, but it can only be come through confession of idolatry. If you have idols in your life, you will not be able to have joy. And John is writing these things. Tells us in verse 13. He tells us in verse 4 of chapter 1. He says this, I'm writing these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may have eternal life. I am writing these things that you may have eternal life so that what? Your joy may be complete. Are we joy-filled people this morning, church? Let me pray for us.